Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Norway. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. This is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. And at the end of the series, it's you, the listeners, that vote for your favourites. And at our live event, we crown the winner of the second cherry song contest. Hello, Monty. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how's you? I'm very good, thank you. We literally are travelling to Norway this week because <laughs> he and Norge, on the other end of the line, we've got an actual national final participant. Yes. We've got Big Daddy Karsten. Hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> hey, you're good, how are you? I am I am fine. Like I am enjoying uh, Norwegian summer, which feels a little bit like Spanish summer at the moment because it's so hot. Uh, so I'm just like on the nude beach, getting my bun tanned and enjoying life. We've seen you on the nude beach on your Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you got it, why not fun it? Let's go. Well, you said you got it. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I'm really jealous. I love that kind of... I've only been in Norway in the spring for Eurovision, but there was just that gorgeous quality to the light. I've been in um, Stockholm in the summer, and it's really gorgeous. Such a brilliant place. Yeah, it's a lot better than the winter, <laughs> to put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm normally in Scandinavia in the winter because I'm normally there for a Eurovision national final related event, mm-hmm. which is actually how we first met when I was there in uh, Oslo for MGP in 2018. Yeah, that's right. I I think I remember meeting you at London, the bar. You did? And, yeah. And you kidnapped me. In a late night homosexual. (laughs) (laughs) You you kidnapped me, but it was consensual. So it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) So good to have you with us. We'll um, we'll come back to you in a moment. Matt's going to give us a rundown now of Norway's history in the Eurovision Song Contest. So Norway debuted at Eurovision in 1960 with Voi Voi by Nora Brogstad. She came fourth with 11 points. Norway have participated 59 times in Eurovision, basically ever present. They were absent in 1970, though, which was the protest over the split result, which you've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast. Um, Yeah, you can't draw Eurovision. People don't like it. And then in 2002, when they were relegated under the old rules, uh, after On My Own by Haldor Lehrgrid, 22nd with three points. So that's, um, but apart from that, it's been quite good. They've had three wins. Bobby Socks with Leather Swinger in 1985. Big, that's a big famous song. Yeah, absolute tune. <laughs> big Daddy Kajdan likes it. <laughs> um, Banger! <laughs> Absolutely, we love it. Great party banger. Secret Garden with Nocturne in 1995 that had like four lyrics in it. No, no words. Yeah, any words. <laughs> and then of course Alexander Reback Fairy Tale in 2009. Yeah, absolute tune. Fairy Tale though, it's the song. Um, the song's score of 387 points, the highest ever win in total under the old rules, so the 1975 to 2015 rules. 
and also achieved the biggest ever margin of victory as well. So 492 points in total were distributed between the competing countries that year in 2009, meaning that fairy tale received 78.7% of the points that could be rewarded. I mean, it completely, it was the winner. Absolutely no argument about it. By a mile. Mm. It's not all been great news, though. They, uh, Norway, you guys have been last in, in the final on 11 different occasions. <laughs> uh, that's more than anyone else. But I don't think that's a true reflection. There's been some great songs. Four times they've received nil point. Uh, 1963, Anita Taulaug with Sol Herb. 1978, Jan Tegen, Mil et Mil. And was the first to get nil points under the 12 points voting system. In 1981, was the third time, that was Finn Kalavik with Audley et Livette. And in 97, Tor Andresen with San Francisco. Uh, I'm sorry, Kashtin, if I completely destroyed <laughs> the Norwegian language. I think you're doing good, honey. Just go, just go for it. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah, you are going to get to crucify our pronunciation tonight. Yeah. Do you know, for all those Nupois, Norway is the generator of my favourite ever song at Eurovision. And it's In Tete Nit on the Sulen by Orsha Cleveland from 1966, my favourite ever Eurovision song. It's a, it's, well, it's not really a banger, it's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Orsha, what a woman, what a woman. <laughs> so the national final this year was held over um, consecutive Saturday evenings from the 15th of January to the 13th of February with a second chance show on Monday the 15th of February. The final was on the 20th, Saturday the 20th. The songs were released in batches as we went along. Uh, each batch for the next uh, Saturday's final was released on the Monday prior to the show. The location was the H3 Arena in Fornebu. What a shame not to have it in the Oslo spectrum with a live audience. Can you imagine what, oh, Carson, what it would have been like to perform in there with a live yeah, audience? It's, it's really homophobic that I didn't get to do it. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm suing. <laughs> I would do, absolutely. Well, you, know, you know what that means, though? You just have to come back again. So, I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> A sparkle in his eye there. <laughs> so five semifinals each had two duels where they pitted songs against each other. The winner of each one of those went to a gold duel and one of those qualified from the final. I'm not a big fan of the dual system, but that's what we've got. In addition to those songs, six songs were pre-qualified for the final and were performed on the shows, one in each except the two in the first show. One of the songs that didn't qualify was given a second chance or, well, a sister chance in Norway, a last chance. <laughs> in, in Sweden, you get a second chance. In Norway, it's the last chance saloon. That's it. No more options. Uh, one of them uh, added to the final. So we had 12 songs that are getting through to the final in total. In the final, all 12 of them performed and four were voted to the gold final. Then voting reopened and two of those went on to the gold duel. Are you keeping up here? <laughs> the two that were left standing were Tix and Kano. Not a surprise there. I think everybody expected that. The voting then came in from five regions, the north, the south, the east, the west and centre of Norway. And Tix was the winner with 57.49% of the votes, 380,000 
and 33 votes. Kano second with 42.51%, 281,043 votes. About 100,000 difference. It was fairly convincing for Ticks, to be honest. Not a surprise as he was the pretty much the biggest pop star in Norway in the last couple of years. Not just the pretty biggest, but actually the biggest last year. Like oh, really? nobody stream nobody streamed as much in Norway last year as Tix did. So he was by far the biggest pop star in singing in Norwegian in Norway last year. Well, I remember talking to you on the day that the songs were first coming out, and I think that's when Tix was announced. And you said to me, oh, my God, he's like the biggest pop star in Norway. Mm. And I was like, okay, so this is game over then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very happy you didn't say that to me. (laughs) But you only thought it. That was very yeah, I, 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 and then Kano came out and I'm like, okay, now what's this? <laughs> Clear it was going to be the international fans supporting Kano because they're Kano and the Norwegians going ticks and the international fans going, who the hell is he? But yeah, that's what we got right down to the end. So let's have a quick listen to ticks. So Tix there qualified in 10th place in his semi-final, only just scraped in really, 115 points. And then 18th in the final, 75 points. Did the right song win, Karsten? I plead the fifth. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't got you you on this show. No, no, you know, out of all the songs uh, that I didn't like from the national finals in Norway, he's one is not the worst at all. I'm not mad at it. I understand it. Like, it's a good written song. Is it a Eurovision song? I don't think so. Uh, but it's a, it's a really, it's, it's a good pop song. Like, you can't say anything against that. Like, and it's hard to be mad at it because it like, it's like you said, like everybody thought, oh, it's either going to be Kaino or it's going to be Tex. And we knew, we pretty much knew from the first day of announcements that that was the way the cookie was going to crumble. So, yeah. 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 I, I don't think it was the right song to go. I understand. I think this is a classic case of where somebody has, there's something about them in the local market. So the Norwegians know him and go, oh, we're going to vote for him because he's a popular artist. Mm. But then you put that artist on the international stage where nobody has a clue who they are and they just mm. don't fare very well. And I, I think it's a bit of a flaw of the system. Yeah, we've seen it before when people are so big nationally. And even um, this year, Croatia, Albina was big, big hit in Croatia and then, you know, didn't do well at Eurovision. I think, um, I don't think Kano would have done that much better, though, even though I adore Kano myself. I don't think it would have done that much better, to be honest. So did they get it right? I don't know. I can't, don't think so. But I don't, I don't know who, I don't think there was a song there that would have got a better place. I think this year was such a high standard. I think that Kaino's song is kind of like a softer version of uh, the Go A song, which is my favorite. I think it could have done well. Like it's it's a more uh, commercialized, dark kind of song. Of course, it's not as easy going and and 
easily digestible as Spirit in the Sky, but yeah, I think it could have done well. I think it would have done better than Ticks did. Hold that thought, because it might be one of the songs that we're going to discuss in the show. First of all, though, let's let's hear from you a little bit about what it was like to be a Melody Grand Prix contestant. So, Kashin, what was your relationship with Eurovision and... MGP before you entered. I mean, have you, have you, did you always watched it or were you not particularly a fan? <laughs> You're not being very nice right now, Marty. You're- <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, like I've, I've told this story before, but it's like, uh, I always had uh, thought of it as kind of a kitschy thing, I guess. Uh, before I was a part of the jury in 2017 in Norway. Uh, And I kind of changed my opinion on it a bit. I understood like how much this meant to people, how big the stage actually was, but I still, and I gotta, gotta be honest, like even this year's finals, like there are, there are so many artists who can't even hold a tune who stands on the biggest music stage in the world and it upsets me like i'm not the best singer ever but i'm not trying to be the best singer ever i'm trying to be the best rapper ever so i feel like i can be a little junchy when it comes to comes to that kind of stuff uh <laughs> but yeah no i i i have grown very fond of it uh, from a show perspective and from the love that surrounds the whole competition um it's really it really is spectacular and the eurovision fandom is so amazing i i effing love them (laughs) (laughs) i remember when when i first met you and you said oh i'm a rapper and i was like oh my god have you ever thought about doing mgp and i think you just you know you just shut that down straight away (laughs) you are you're 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 a shady lady today, Monty. What's going on? <laughs> no, no, I think because I love the fact I love the fact that you've had a kind of you know uh, a, a renaissance with it, or you know you've you've yeah. you've, you've come full circle on it. Um, yeah. How did you get involved this year? Well, I mean, what was the the process? I mean, you, your your song "Smile" was that written with MGP in mind, or was it a song you had and then submitting it became an afterthought? Um, the thing is that I, uh, I signed with a new management late 2019 and, um, what, uh, my manager told me was that he wanted me to get on MGP and he wanted it to happen uh, in a five year process. With that said, I didn't write smile with, uh, MGP in mind. Uh, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could just sit down and write a Eurovision song because there are people who are professionals of, for writing for this competition. I am not one of them. I can only write about my feelings, my emotions, my life, what I'm thinking about. But when we made Smile and we listened to it back and we thought, well, this could actually like fit that platform. This could work. So um, after uh, censoring it a lot <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, tearing down and building up the beat three or four times, we felt like this is... This is this could work. Um, as I said, like my manager said, within five years we're going to get you on that stage, and we were all surprised that we got in on the first try. That's that's pretty much how it happened. 
I'm interested now to hear the uncensored version. I mean, the, the version we got was just about family friendly, but a lot of your it's work. Family friendly. It's family friendly. Smile is, the, the last the the last edit of Smile is very family friendly. Like I, the the cool stuff is that I have never gotten messages from like parents of kids before. Uh, that say that they're listening to one of my songs on the way to the cabin for the weekend. Like it's, it's a new experience for me, <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's, it's really, really nice. Like it's, and um, because I, it's cool to have at least one song that like everybody can listen to and relate to without it necessarily being a situation uh, where they, where they see themselves Cause, but it's, but that's the that's the beautiful part about the song. The core message is love, and um, and if you know love and you want to know love and in any shape or form, you can relate to it. I hope that the families with the kids at the back of the car don't have Spotify on autoplay to <laughs> some of your other songs on. <laughs> I, was, I was like, Cabin. Yeah. I've been to that club, haven't I? No. are usually very sex positive and explicit so um yeah but it's it's i've gotten so so many cool uh messages from parents who told me that their kids came out to them during the national finals when i was on stage and and it, it it's 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 cool to have made a a non-explicit song about uh open relationships <laughs> mm. um that is is a mainstream song like when was the last time you heard a, a song played on the radio that was like a standard pop song that was about something else and a boy and a girl mm-hmm. or an or a monogamous uh, relationship like it doesn't happen. So it was it wasn't it's I, I love it. Absolutely when, love it. When you when did you find out that you were in? When did they find, tell you that you, you were included? It was sometime in the summer, wasn't it? <sighs> Yeah, my manager called me with the news, I think, early September, mm-hmm. I think. Originally, they wanted someone else to sing the chorus because they didn't think that I could sing. We're, really? They're partially right. They're partially right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's like, it's, it's, um, it's very different singing in a studio with a little bit of pitch correction and doing it on stage. Um but they just couldn't picture having someone else singing the chorus because this was, it's so evident that it's my story and it's my thoughts and it's my feelings and it wouldn't mm-hmm. come across in the same way if someone else was going to, was going to do it. So it was, um, so I, they, they asked if I could send them a video of me singing and like, I, th- I think it was like two minutes after we sent it, they were like, yeah, we're doing it. You're singing yourself. Don't worry about it. This is how we're going to do it. Okay. And it went fairly, it went fairly okay. Like I, like I can't, like I said before, like I can't stand when, when people stand on the biggest stages in the world and, and, and can't hold their key. And when I watch back, um, especially the first performance, I cringe a little bit because it's not, everything is not <laughs> the way I want it to. Uh, the second one is a lot better. Yeah. I don't know what more to say about that. But <laughs> what was it like sitting on that secret? You know, you, you know, from September because MGP, mm. is, you know, they don't, 
um, announced and no leaks get out about the songs mm-hmm. until um, just before. So what was it like to, you know, sitting on that news? I mean, it's one of the biggest opportunities you really had. Yeah, definitely. It was a double-edged sword in many ways. Uh, in one way, it got me through uh, maybe my worst depression in my life. Uh, on the other hand, it was really, really hard not telling like I, I wasn't able to not tell anyone. Like uh, the closest circle knew. You knew. I knew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had trouble sitting on the new place. So bloody excited. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like um, but what, what we also understood was the worst thing that could happen wasn't speculations uh, regarding rumors if I was in or not. The real problem would have been if the song leaked. Mm-hmm. Um so um yeah, like not a lot of people knew. And uh, it was almost like when I came out, like no one expected it. No one saw it coming. And mm. and that that just makes it even more fun. Like pe- like blowing people's wigs off like that. I I <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. My, mine's never come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so when you when you're there taking part in it, you know what? How's the process? Oh man, it was it was the most it was. I think it was the most beautiful experience of my life. Like I have never had a production or a budget like that, like ever. Like I had, I I got to. They asked me what I wanted. Uh, and they pretty much gave me everything I asked for, um, all from the pink bear onesie to the mm. dancers in all shapes and sizes and colors, uh, to uh, CGI effects to confetti to like I told them I want to I want to do Pride at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, and they pretty much gave me that. So uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever like it's it's so stupid to me because I, a lot of uh, growing up and and for most part of my adult life, I kind of saw MGP as a, 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 like a fake world where like no real artists were. Uh, but doing it, I felt uh, I've never felt as validated as an artist ever. It was really really special. This I've often commented actually. I mean, I guess more in terms of Eurovision, but I think also in terms of those countries that really put an effort into a big national final because it's part of, you know, it's part of the annual TV cycle. It's one of those big shows. You know, those artists that do that are not, you know, maybe never going to get to perform on such a big stage, particularly mm. when you get to Eurovision with all of the, the you know, the lighting effects and and, and mm. the, the professionalism of the show, I think it, you know, really is such a great opportunity, you know, even mm. to kind of experience it from a technical point of view as to, you know, mm. what goes into the production. It just must be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, like I, I can't express how much I, I love the whole process and, like how good it made me feel to be a part of something as big as that. And like, I, I, I literally see a therapist because I am not able to cry tears. And uh, when I got knocked out, I cried for like the first time in like three years. Like it's, it's so much like it's when you've been, when you've been doing music for 
20 years and you never feel like like you you know that you have touched people and you know that you're important to uh to your core fan base but when you can reach out in that way and having like it felt like whole of it felt like the whole of Europe was watching like mm-hmm. i had no idea how big of an impact national semifinals had on the euro fandom like i mm-hmm. when i woke up when i woke up on january 27th i think was the day after the songs got released to 11 reaction videos from all over europe i was like what really <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of us geeks that you know spend our time pouring over very, very niche pursuits, and you know doing podcasts about them as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you? So, from a, I've always wanted to ask an artist that in their own national final, obviously their popularity rises, and so they, you know, that more people listen to your music. But did you? Did you see an uplift? I mean, do you know the demographic of what countries listen to you more? Do you get that kind of detail of who's listening to your music? And did that change when you did the national final? Well, Spotify for Artists tells me who's listening. They tell me where they are. They tell me what gender they are. They tell me, uh, yeah, uh, what cities I'm popular in, what countries. And and um, except for, like, I got a really huge boost in Norway, obviously. but also seeing countries like, especially United Kingdom, United Kingdom, some city called Poplar. I don't know where that is, but that's near me. Google sometimes puts me in there. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's probably me listening. <laughs> well, thank, thank you for listening to my song 400 times a day, Monty. I really <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's, it's, it's really cool. And like cities I've never even heard of, in different countries around Europe, uh, you can see spikes. Obviously, mm-hmm. no, it's 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 really uh, it's really is interesting just looking at that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, I absolutely seen a boost. And and not only that, not only for for countries that follow Eurovision or know about Eurovision, but having the content and being able to use it to market yourself. When people, for example, people in the states or South America, or someone sees a production like that, it kind of moves on its own. Like it just spreads automatically. So I've seen spikes in popularity in the States. I've seen spikes in popularity in Brazil, even in a lot of countries where homosexuality is illegal. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's, that's really, really cool. It's really, really cool. It's just mm. so nice to see that fantastic positive impact of, of a participation. Really, really mm. well done. Well done. So it's time for us to look at some of your competition. (laughs) Sure, let's go. Let's talk about it. So song one then is Kano with the song Monument. This came second place, as we know. So, Monty, uh, you open up with this. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I think it's a little difficult to separate Kano this year from Kano, the phenomenon of 2019. You know, I think if ever a group has made the most of their appearance at Eurovision, it's Kano. They released songs over the course of the year while they were working on the album, keep the fans on board. You know, they gave the fans exactly what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, to see them come back again, there was obviously such excitement about it. I I like to think that it was because they were, they shared a stage with us at Second Cherry. So well, that's it. I yeah. like to think we have <laughs> when we did our live show in 2019 at the Vauxhall Tavern, they were the guests. They were that night. We, oh. opened, we opened the night and Kano were on after us. Alexandra was watching us rehearse laughing, and I was like, yeah. oh, that's, that's nice. <laughs> oh, Alexandra's so sweet. She's so yeah. lovely. Mm-hmm. I think this this was great. They work really well together. It's dramatic pop, um, but it's dramatic camp pop. Um, and each of the members is bringing something different to it. They were wearing silver and white outfits. The laser effects would create a really nice effect on stage. Given there were only three of them and quite minimal choreography, it just really um, enhanced it. And I think Alexandra's such a great singer. She's just a great mm. vocalist. And then I, I love, I love Fred's yoik. <laughs> Fred can yoik all over me as much as he likes. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it brings the right, the right touch. something different in all the right places all over the song. And then you've got a big chorus building up to that thunder and glory. Yeah. It's just, I love it. Absolutely love this. What are your thoughts on it, Kashtan? Well, I think Alexandra is a vocalist of world class. I think she is maybe... Baby has the best voice that entered any national final this year, by far. I think uh, Tom Hugo is a genius uh, when writing and, and constructing these songs for, for MGP and Eurovision. And I think Fred brings something different to it. And, and it's like, it's what, he's, what he does is what like, separates them from other contributions to the contest. Uh, so now I, I, I absolutely love the way it's put together the only thing i don't like about the song is that it doesn't have a clear chorus or hook and i think that's what if anything except for for norwegian fame for for ticks uh, that actually uh brought them down this year i think that it was that they didn't have a more definitive chorus or or hook that you could like get in with but yeah it's an it's 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 amazing, and they, like they said, it was more for the jury this time than for uh, because last time they got their Achilles heel was the jury's vote, and um, I th- think they might have overdone it a little bit. That's the only problem. From a like as a jury member, I I would have loved the heck out of this. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the chemistry between them, I think, is what really sells it. You kind of believe yeah. that they're not a band yeah. put together. Obviously, all bands are kind of put together in some sort of way, but they they really sort of quite naturally blend well. And yeah, I think um, it's a maturer sound. So that's what we got from Kano this year. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. The next song we're going to listen to is Hero by Rayleigh.
Now, Carson, you mentioned earlier about, you know, those songwriters who write for Eurovision. And we've got some here. <laughs> yeah. Laurel Barker and Fraser Mack are names that pop up again and again and again in Eurovision. They, I mean, they're behind some big Eurovision hits yeah. and, you know, some very, very popular songs. And they are two of the, the songwriters here. Matt, what do you think about Rayleigh? Well, I I love this song, actually. It's, it was probably sort of my second or third favourite of the whole year. Just because I love that... Um, that 80s revival and I think this if you're going to revive the 80s this is how you do it you take from this kind of stock this kind of feeling and the way they they, they sort of presented it on stage it, it it kind of transported you back to the 80s I'm old enough to kind of remember it you know I've got older sisters as well so I totally remember what people what women walked around looking like in the 80s so <laughs> So, uh, I, yeah. And me. Yeah. And then. <laughs> I was a teenager in the 80s. So, yeah, the yeah. fashion man. I fashion. made all of those fashion faux pas. Mm. But I think, so her, I can forgive her strained vocals at times. There was a bit of that going on. But but when you've got full choreo, full choreo, then I allow that. I'm like, I don't, I don't care that it's strained. If, as long as you're not completely sounding like you're dying, um, I can allow that because yeah, it's a great chorus and you know, she's going hell for leather dancing. Um, obviously that water moment, that flash dance, water falling on her moment is the moment. My, my sort of like, oh, I wish she would have won in some way. Cause I would have loved to see how Norway staged that at Eurovision. Cause you have to go bigger. How would they have done it? But um, yeah, I think it's a good, really good national final song. And we already knew that when recording the backup performances, they weren't allowed to use a water feature. So she would have had to have done something different. Carson, what did you think of this? I think that a Hero is uh, 10 times better than Wild ever was uh, mm. from a musical perspective. I think she is a 10 out of 10 performer. Uh, she's got stage presence for days. She can move better than most but like you said i i i have i it i have problems with the vocals at times i think also her voice can be kind of annoying at some at some um at some on some notes i'm sure like i i in one way i adore how much she goes all out another part is me of me says what if you just tone it down a little bit and you got the vocals off in the way you could have and are capable of if you just wasn't that out of breath. It's a reason why I don't start moving my hips before the last <laughs> chorus of Smile. <laughs> and I, I barely walk across the stage and yeah. do some finger choreography. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like um, I think like uh, the song is a bop. There's nothing, that, you can't say anything else and the gays love it, the girls love it, the men want to do dirty stuff to her like it's she's she's got the whole package uh, yeah. it just it just saddens me that how much the vocal performance suffers from her stage show yeah i think i mean the stage show was everything with this that water moment was the killer moment it was all about that visual and getting that flash dance poke i loved it i love the 80s vibe i think it would have fitted in really well at eurovision this year because mm. there was so much 80s um going mm. on to that people were tapping into and this was instantly catchy i quite like when she changed her look completely between the semi-final and the final and actually she she 
strained her ankle, I think, in the um, she, in the, she got she cystitis or she was ill. There's something else as well. That's oh, why she, she also she she also caught a cold yeah. from staying in the water. And I understand why because it was it was effing cold <laughs> at, <laughs> at H three Arena because the staging for the artist uh, were like the the rumor we're all sitting were right next to the door and it was always uh, kind of like on a uh, uh, it was like not on wide open, but it was like a little bit open. Uh, so the cold, so the cold air came in there and sitting there, oh, like okay. soaked in water, would make anyone sick. So yeah, I get it. Wow, she, what yeah, a trooper! Yeah. What a trooper! Right then, song number three is "Feel Again" by Kaya Rod. Kick us off then, Karsten. What what about Kaya? What a queen. What a queen. I love her so much. Such a beautiful personality. And here we can talk about a vocal performance. Uh, like, of course, she's she stands a lot more still, but like I remember, especially during rehearsals, I hadn't even heard hadn't even heard even heard the song. And I was doing my interview with Weeby Blogs, and I just started hearing her in the background and I got all distracted. Uh, like her presence, her voice, everything about her is just right. Uh, even when when her when the garment got stuck in her in her uh, headpiece microphone, oh, yes. yeah. yeah, she was able to. She like I if I hadn't watched it back so many times, I wouldn't even have caught it. And a lot of people didn't before I I pointed out to her, and I was like, that was professional. I told her like that was that that's like that's a professional performer. Like you don't the way she just like pushed it away and just went on in a way that most people didn't even see it and still I delivered a strong exactly I, I only there's only one I was watching performances again to make my notes for the show that I saw it and I was like oh I hadn't noticed that mm-hmm. on the, the, mm-hmm. the live show mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and what a what a gorgeous human being like she is she's everything I love she was her. on the voice as well in Norway that's how she mm-hmm. became known uh, in 2017 mm-hmm. um i i have to say i didn't think much of this at first but it really really crept up on me and i love mm-hmm. it now it's a kind of disco influenced pop song and she's on alone on the stage and she's got these flouncy sleeves and a big training cape and then there's lots of wafting and billowing of material there's some quite nice light effects as well there's a bit where she walks across the floor and like a, a the train of her cape it kind of the floor lights up behind her i don't know maybe it's like a sort of visual fart or something <laughs> <laughs> but lots of uh, laser i think the reason it crept up on me i like the fact that it's got a kind of you know it's got a quite insistent beat it's kind of pulsating it's kind of urgent it's kind of driving you forward in the song and i quite like a song like that so this just really really cracked up on me and i absolutely love it now and she seems like a great performer yeah i love her i think she was much better than the song the song was okay but i think i would love to see her return there's a a few artists i really want to see return this had a bit of drama to it which i think 
we've seen, I mean, we, we spoke about Albania in a, however many weeks ago, and this seems like the sort of song you get in Albania national final when they're trying to do a more Western sound. It's And she did everything she could with that song. I don't think she could do anything more. Um, no. But, you know, I, yeah, I think I'd like to see her come back. I think she could, she could be one to watch. I think she will be back. The next song is a song by Tuvea, and it's called Bleem in my pogorn. Join me on the farm. Garbage. Next. Move on. We don't want it. Return it. Kept the receipt. Can I get my money back? I hate it. Are you, hate are, you it. Not, are you not keen on this? No, I hate it. It's like rap, rapping ability of a kindergartner uh, on a, a hits for kids soundtracks kind of beat like the whole thing is super corny, and uh, I was actually mad when I when I saw it in the last. <laughs> like, I, like, like, you, I, I thought I was the I thought I was the only rapper, and then they put on this song, and I realized that I was the only rapper. Like, it's, <laughs> it's it was horrible. Like, we I should no, say I, we should say if you're listening to the podcast or listening on radio and you've not seen it, go and have a look at it because there is quite the performance it, it, it's a it's a kind of farmyard setup there's an enormous digger cardboard farm cardboard farm there's an enormous digger and a woman sitting playing the violin in the scoop of the digger <laughs> and then you've got three guys who are a bit kind of sort of you know country yokels um doing a song which is kind of it's recalling norwegian folk tradition but at the same time, it, I mean, from an outsider, it seems to be kind of, you know, celebrating, but also sending up that kind of country, regional, Norwegian tradition. I have Monty, to say, Monty, yeah, yeah. Be honest. Be honest. Just call it garbage. Just call it what it is. I mean, it's not great. We it is this is one of the <laughs> that's it because it's all you kind of you've got to see that performance, and we do have to remark on that at second cherry. The guys are they're kind of marching around and they've got these kind of slightly militaristic uniforms on. Um, and I don't know, I kind of thought you know, it looks a bit like a Hitler youth. <laughs> yeah, well, the 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 costumes they are wearing is called Fedless Hjöpedrasse Fedless. Fellesköpe is like a store in Norway where you buy everything for your farm. Ah, okay. Mm. Mm. I I have to say I haven't, I haven't got much to say about this. <laughs> if I'm being honest, this is this is the song you put into national final when you're trying to make a TV show rather than a music competition. I think it's you know the whitest of white bread for me. <clears throat> and it 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 kind of a bit painful to watch. Uh, feels like they're on loan from a local holiday camp, and yeah, I'm song is awful and i'm out you've got some backing dancers who are female 
who were doing all this kind of gymnastics in the background as well, like backflipping. There's trampolines there. Yeah. Cartwheeling and trampolining, you know, up over these cardboard cutout hedges. <laughs> it's, yeah, it really is the same. It's not a great song, but we had to include it. Can I say uh, something real quick? Yeah. Uh, to the listeners who listen to this, if you want the best live show from them, GP, don't watch this. Watch <laughs> Royanne's performance of Circus. That will give you so much more. That, that was yeah, that's not one on our list, actually. But Royan's the stage performance of that was really good because there were lots of kind of, you know, traditional circus sideshow mm. activities going on on stage. It was a really, really interesting um, show mm. to watch, actually. I, was, I don't think the song was great, um, but the presentation, absolutely fantastic. Okay. So our next song <laughs> is Smile by Big Daddy Carson. what do you think of this <laughs> i think like it's so good like everything from the production to like the rapping to the singing to like the creativity <laughs> of it that the body positive sex positive polyamorous positive mesh message of my i mean the song it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic I want to pick up on that because I, that is something which really stood out for me. I think the first thing about this is you've got, you start off and it's a very summery sound and it's kind of a, it's a nice positive sound. It really draws you in and you want to listen to this song. And then, um, then there's a bit of rapping and you kind of realize that, you know, the, it's such queer representation on stage, you know, both lyrically and visually with the, the, the dancers who were all kinds of, cliche of gay stereotypes and just glorious (laughs) what i love about this is it's um it it is that positivity you know there's the positivity in the song um the positivity you have towards a partner how beautiful that you feel that they look when they smile but then you realize it's kind of it's not you're not listening and watching this song through the conventions of traditional relationships because you've got open relationships in there you've got things about polyamorous relationships you know i might invite over a guy or two um but it's about the trust and the love for the person that's at the core no matter what else is going on around that within the relationship and i absolutely love that i have to say i don't think i've ever seen this kind of representation of queer relationships before in Eurovision national finals or even in the mainstream at all. No. And I think that's a, we've had queer artists before, um, but I don't think they've brought this message. And I have to say, there's one thing about this. It contrasts enormously with a song that we slagged off on the pot on the podcast last year, which was Lisa Vasilieva's I am gay from the national. But she's finals. Straight. Yeah. But exactly. She's straight. Exactly. She's straight. 
That's exactly why we liked it all. You had a, I mean, on the one hand, it's great that a straight woman feels, you know, comfortable enough to associate herself with being gay, which, you know, 20 years ago would not have happened. But the authenticity just wasn't there. What came across from your song was a genuinely queer artist who is actually living and embodying what they're singing about. And it was the contrast between those two songs is just enormous. I've said rap, it was great to see rap. I don't think rap is a genre that's always particularly well received at Eurovision, but I think that you know the genres are diversifying enough now, and it was just really invigorating to see. Matt. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna comment as if Kushton's not here how I normally would. Right? <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's, not me, that's not me being disrespectful. Of course you're here. But I just feel like I'm just going to tell it as I normally would. Um, Good. So this is everything that I want from a national final song, okay? An artist that I can identify with, um, stands for something, but is not afraid to shout about it. The song, you know, said it, this sort of stuff isn't not found in national finals. We don't, it's not always about. So it stands out for me. It's a real, you know, sing-along, bop-along, three minutes of pure joy, pure queerness. And I think, I think you hit the register just right because it had that, like, it draws you in. It had a softness to it. It had a, a real caring element to it. And it's just question on stage saying hey guys this is me this is what I'm about we talk about authenticity all the time and that is so important I think if I had one criticism it was the staging as much as I absolutely loved how unbelievably queer that was I think (laughs) the and and pushing the the all the colors and the visual overlays I loved all that but the only criticism I'd have is that maybe it was just a bit too much for voting public so whereas I can sit there and be like yeah I loved every minute oh my god it's camp oh my god it's this oh my god oh great I loved it all but then I'm one person and if you're trying to grab votes to get to Eurovision or to win the thing I feel like there was a lot of people that would have been put off by that so I just think if it was more stripped back and was more focused on the storytelling, which is actually in the lyrics of the song, I think we might be able to get more votes for it. But that's that's it. For me personally, though, it, you know, one of my favourites. I just It's just so nice to see that sort of stuff at National Final. Thank, thank you. And, and I, I get the criticism, and it's not the first time I've heard it, but it's like, um, I am not going to uh, not be myself. And uh, if that means that I lose a couple of votes, then that's fine. Uh, what's important to me is that I can be my own unapologetical self. Um, and if I make it to the final or make it to Eurovision, doesn't matter that much. What matters is that I got to do something so insanely queer the way I did it, because that's who I am. Um, and that's that's the core of it. And thank you for bringing that to the stage. Yeah, Hugely, thank hugely you. appreciated. So we have a winner to announce. But before we do that, it's time for this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. This is our section where we like to highlight something which brings something positive to the Eurovision fandom. Matt, what is it this week? Well, it's kind of an extension to what we've just been talking about because our good thing of the week that is good is actually Big Daddy Custom. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Now look, it's because, look, you know, we've just been harping on about some of the reasons why, but, you know, I think... I think for us, you know, as gay men, 
seeing that representation. We just wanted we just want to see more of it, right? And you can see more of it on his Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also a good thing of the week. It's good. <laughs> thank Aww. you. We just want to thank you for you know bringing that kind of positivity. Um, we think we need more of this in the Eurovision world. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. That's so nice. Thanks. No worries. If you don't come back to, to the competition either, then I'm going to riot. So. <laughs> so <it's... laughs> I sent Monty a demo earlier. He was like, nah, this is not for the competition. So I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll never yeah. make a song that fits again. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So there's only one thing left to do, and that is to reveal the winner. And we haven't even told you who's won yet, have we? <laughs> oh, you haven't. So, I mean, who do you think? Who do you think? Who do you think the second cherry team picked? They're both ones. Well, I know that you're a massive Tino fan, but I don't know. Maybe Ray Lee. The second cherry for Norway 2021 is Kano. Woo! Kano. Kano. Yay! <laughs> Come on, Kano. Yeah, I'm sorry that we the team didn't choose your song, but that's the one that the team decided on to get the second chance for No Way. They're probably straight. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Carson, thank you so much. You've been the most amazing guest. It's been lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a blast, really. Now, you can get in touch with us. Tell us what you thought of the show. Give us your thoughts. You can get in touch on Twitter at Second Cherry, Instagram at Second underscore Cherry, and Facebook Second Cherry Podcast. And you can also email us on hello at secondcherry.vision. That is hello at secondcherry.vision. What about your socials, Kirsten? Oh, yes. Oh, my my socials? You Okay, sure. Uh, you can... <laughs> You can see, uh, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at big.d.cushton, with a K. Uh, you can see a lot more of me on my Twitter at bigdaddycushton. And I also have this beautiful little Facebook page called Big Daddy Cushton. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a, a little website you can visit, bigdaddycushton.no. And if you're looking to buy some Big Daddy Cushion merch, go to HectorDesign.com. Scroll down, you'll find me there. Fantastic. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you or speak to you (laughs) next week. See you later. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.